Hey everybody, welcome to On Podcast, the On Microsoft Podcast, the only podcast for On Microsoft, uh, so don't look for any other ones. Uh, I am Kareem Anderson, as your co-host, and I'm joined with the world's greatest co-host. Arif Bacchus. Yeah, and uh, we're here for another week of news, uh, and to talk kind of about uh, our feature, which is the week ahead as well, uh, just to kind of run through some of our topics for today's podcast. We will be spending the majority of our time talking with uh, industry legend, uh, Richard Hey, uh, who happens to be a Microsoft MVP. So for those of you interested in the program or just wanting to know what it means or how you get those credentials, we'll be talking to him about that. Uh, we'll also be going through Windows 10 uh, 20, uh, 21H1 and uh, just kind of seeing where Microsoft is with that process and uh, you know, what we can look forward to. And then we have some news on a Microsoft Garage Project that we hope makes it into uh, Windows as a full fledged uh, app. Uh, it's really cool. It's a really cool uh, pen-first note-taking app, um, which kind of rivals what they have for OneNote, and a bunch of other stuff as well. And uh, for the week ahead, we have some reviews coming up next week. Um, I'm, if you follow me on Twitter, you probably saw me tweeting about a new stand that I got from my Surface, which lets you float the Surface in the air a bit and improve your work-from-home setup. So um, I'm going to review that. And then we also, someone reached out to us in our tip line about a tool that lets you convert YouTube videos to MP3 and MP4, which is appropriate if you're listening to us and you want to download us and save us for later later on during the week. And of course, we have some, uh, like a little bit of an Xbox recap that we have planned for the week ahead as well. Yeah. Uh, and then I just wanted to tease something else I just got in uh, last night. Um, it is uh, Lenovo's ThinkPad. I don't know if you can see that. It's a oh, Chromebook. Oh, it's a Chromebook. That's very different yeah, from what is... we normally talk about. Right. I did the Chromebook duet, um, and you know, I, I said my thoughts on that about how uh, it's the hardware is amazing. So far, the hardware is amazing on this as well with ports and everything. It's really basically a ThinkPad. Uh, but we'll see if uh, Chrome OS has been improved a little bit. So I'll have a first impressions uh, next week for this, and then. I also have some follow-up reviews for you guys for some other hardware. It would be great to see you complain about how Chrome OS is like 10 years behind Windows 10. Uh, I mean, it is, and it's going to be even better to see uh, our editor-in-chief jump in and chime in about how it's 20 years ahead of <laughs> Windows right now, <laughs> at least in education. Uh, it's going to be a good one, so make sure yeah. you stay to the end for the week ahead. Yep. But uh, why don't you get us started and introduce our uh, special guest? Yeah, uh, like I said, um, you know, for those of you who are uh, aware of the industry and kind of, you know, follow some of the like, you know, heads of of the of our journalistic uh, area, Richard Hayes uh, been a long time uh, Microsoft uh, a presence uh, as a journalist. Uh, he lives in Florida, which you know I live in Florida, but we live a few hours apart. Uh, he is a man who has a podcast who talks. He kind of blends some really cool things, uh, themes into his podcast. It isn't just straight tech and and, um, and uh, Microsoft talk. It's, he talks about faith, he talks about uh, space and travel and uh, space science. Um, he's just kind of all over the place. But uh, this is a really amazing person to follow. Uh, we'll give you his Twitter bio, we'll let him talk about it in a second. Um, but like I said, he's mostly known, at least I know him and have talked to him, discussed about his Microsoft MVP status, uh, which is a really 
uh, high held uh, thing to have uh, if you don't work for the company. You know, uh, obviously working for the company, you get different titles. But if you're just a, an enthusiast outside of the company, this is probably one of the higher uh, credentials that you can be gifted from the company itself officially. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into that as soon as we talk to him. Yeah, and we'll have him joining in teams in a second here, and uh, we'll let you we'll let you kick things off and ask him a little bit about himself, and then we'll we'll just get started. Let's get into this interview because right. uh, I got so many other questions that I get to ask you at because uh, again we were listening to other people's stories at Ignite, but you know, like I said, I'm a, a huge fan, and I, I want to say first off, thank you again uh, for you know coming on and, and giving us your time. I know you're oh, super busy all the time. Uh, but the first thing I want to ask is um, the Microsoft MVP, is it a program? It's a, I mean, it's more of a certification essentially, but could you get into exactly what that is for people who don't know or may be interested? Yeah, well, the Microsoft Most Valuable Professional MVP program, it is a program. Um, it's not a certification or anything like that. And in fact, what people misunderstand sometimes about the MVP program is that it, it is an award for stuff you did in the past. It's not an award for the next year. You got to keep contributing, keep doing in order to continue to earn the, the re-award. Um, it, it, it's funny, you know, I was selected, I was first selected as an MVP back in 2010. Um, and, and in fact, you know, I, I saw your note, you know, Kip and I knew each other back in the mid to late 2000s. Uh, we were members of a kind of pre-insider uh, group called the MSM Butterflies. And we were a small group of people who would get access to early MSN technology and services and things like that, like Outlook Express. Remember that one? Yeah. Outlook yeah. Express <laughs> and some yeah. of the early MSN stuff. Uh, photos, Windows Live video, you know, Windows Live, um, the Windows Live, um, the the video software that they made as well. So they made some really good kind of early entry level consumer grade stuff. So so. The stuff I was doing with Kip is kind of early insider. The guy who ran that program was a fellow named Marcus Schmidt, uh, who has since left the company. But he nominated several of us at that time for MVP, unbeknownst to us, uh, because these days you have to have somebody's okay to nominate. So they kind of have an idea that's happening. So, yeah, so MVP is a look is a recognition for community contributions that you have done over the past year. Um, and it can be anything. It can be what we're doing right now, the podcasting piece, which was a big part of what I was doing. I ran the uh, the Observe Tech podcast for 10 right. years, uh, 317 episodes before I finally retired that a couple of years ago. And so that was so most MVPs up until that point were rewarded, uh, were awarded because they were active in Microsoft communities like uh, back in the day. It was before answers or tech community. It was there was a whole different set of forums that Microsoft were. There were news groups back in those days when we actually had news groups. Outlook Express was a news group reader, too. What? So, you know, you were active in those kind of forums. And that's where most people started to make their bread and butter for those kind of community contributions. And of course, running a website and talks and things like that. For myself, it was social media. I, I think I was probably one of the early MVPs that my contributions came via social media because I started on Twitter in 08, I think it was a uh, year. I, I'd actually signed up a year earlier when it first opened and then abandoned that account. I don't even remember what I used as the name, <laughs> but um, in 2008 registered at WinOBS and kind of moved forward from there. So yeah, doing that, doing the uh, my blog, of course, windowsobserver.com has been around for 25 plus years now. I built that in 1995 when Windows 95 came out. 
on GeoCities. I still <laughs> wow. remember the at web address. Right? Wow. Silicon Valley Heights 1094 was my web address for that site. Wow. Uh, and but it was cool. You know, that was kind of the 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 beginnings of the internet, the real visual internet, right? Not and I was on active duty in the Navy at the time, and and our internet was command line black and white on a screen, right? You had to type in command lines to connect to a mail server. You had to type a command line to this reach your like, inbox. All kinds this of This is things. like DOS, right? Oh, it was DOS based basically, yeah. but and that's what you were looking at. So you were typing at the prompt to access your email, to connect to a file site, to download a file, which we transferred a lot of files that way. And so the the visual web in 95 and beyond, I was stationed in Italy at the time. So connectivity was really kind of wishy-washy over there. It wasn't a big deal. I mean, even here in the States, in the mid-90s, internet was not prolific. It was dial-up. It was slow. Um, yeah. And um, I, I'll never forget finally getting an ISDN line that gave me 64 kilobit connection. <laughs> and back then, you saved everything you downloaded right off the internet because right. you didn't want to have right. to reconnect and tie it up. So, so yeah, doing that stuff via social media, helping people out, looking for when they had questions. Uh, and then a lot of that you can turn into content. You can write about that solution. Uh, we do a lot of it these days, especially you guys and your, your, your fellow sites in the same kind of genre, right? The Windows enthusiast sites. You know, you see something. We see so much on, on social media now. That's kind of where you might feed some of your stories from, see where there are problems, things of that nature. And, of course, so much information is public now. I mean – my first Windows beta was Windows, uh, was it, uh, gosh, Windows 98, I think. Wow. Uh, was it 98? Yeah, that was about right, 98 or early two, uh, early uh, kind of aughts. But, you know, that stuff was shipped by mail to to get the CD to you or the DVD yeah. to you to install it. That, yeah. With insider builds, right? They get released and we download a build without even blinking an eye. What so about it's floppy great. disks? What about and floppy disks? And more and more MVPs are engaged in that social media aspect of things these days. So it's kind of, kind of become more of the norm. So, yeah, it's a great program. It, it's got great benefits. You get connections to the product teams. You get fellow MVPs that you meet. Like, you know, Kip's no longer an MVP, but we were both MVPs at the same time. And um, so it's, it's, it's a really neat program to connect with people. It's kind of like the, what I experience now with the press that covers Microsoft whenever we arrive at a live event. You know, we kind of gather in the press room and hang yeah. out and tell stories and do all the things we were just talking about. Uh, and so it, it's a really neat uh, camaraderie that comes with that. And, and on that, um, you were mentioning that somebody basically you know, essentially nominates you from, I guess, within yeah. the company and kind of. Actually, you know, no, I can be any other MVP any other or an employee of Microsoft can. And then do they like reevaluate these? Because you said it's for the, the what you did the previous Year. That's right. Um, do they reevaluate? Do you get like another uh, opportunity the following year, or what's yeah, your no, you're up just for renewal? You're up okay. for renewal each year, but you do have to update your accomplishments and the things you did. And they have a they have a, a way for us to do that online. So we submit all that data. Same thing for Windows Insider MVP. I was part in 2016. I was one of the inaugural Windows Insider MVPs as well. And we they have a site that we can go to and submit all our the stuff they ask us for. We also do a short video for them to kind of you know why. Um, and um, excuse me. So no, the, the 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 process used to be laborious. It was an Excel spreadsheet. They sent it out to everybody. You had to fill in all your bits and pieces. And now it's a really great. Now they use forms, 
right? And collect yeah. all that data, which it does go into an Excel, an Excel spreadsheet, but not mine. It goes, right. I get to fill it out on the web. So yeah, they do reevaluate each year. Uh, okay. Let me let me ask you, do you get an award? Because I saw on Twitter that these people were unboxing MVP awards. So do you have one to show us? Uh, they do send us a really nice uh, wow. crystal award. And you, oh, get, you get to add those for That's each year. Um, but I, awesome. I had 11 of them. This year was my 11th award uh, or last year was. Wow. So I had to kind of consolidate. <laughs> so I, I, I just put cool. my first year, my five year, and then kind of worked my way up that. But yeah, they send us a, this each year. And I get a similar one from the insiders. Um, Microsoft knows, I don't know who the company is that makes all their crystal awards, but they make some pretty cool stuff. But so yeah, similar for the insider awesome. program. So yeah, we get a nice little uh, thing. We get a certificate. Uh, I've got a couple certificates signed by Satya Nadella. Uh, mm -hmm. as well as Donna Sakar when she was running the program, when she was insider chief. Uh, yeah. And uh, so they, they do. And then we get the nice side benefits, right? We get, I think we get, um, it's a Microsoft 365 E3 account. So we can do things and, and run stuff on that. Um, we get access to Visual Studio downloads, what used to be MSDN. So you right. can download the ISOs uh, to be able to test the software. They provide us a certain number of keys to that different software to test with. Uh, and it's all intended to be test software for test platforms. Yeah. I mean, that's super and of course, cool. The summit, the summit's probably, I think the, the primo award is the ability to go to Redmond. Right. It's yeah. COVID or pre COVID yeah. uh, to be able to go to Redmond and spend a week meeting with the product teams and getting presentations on right. stuff they're working on and seeing the cool inside stuff. I've had the opportunity to be in the uh, anechoic chamber there at Microsoft. Uh, we've had briefings from Panos. We've had briefings from the Surface team and seen their layout and their work and how they kind of build out model product uh, products and stuff they're building. And so it's a really cool. And plus, if you've never been to Microsoft campus and you are a Microsoft geek, that first time on campus is kind of like geekdom <laughs> way up here, right? Because you you stop and you get your picture at the Microsoft logo in front yep. of the Building 92. Um, which is where uh, the the store is and the museum and stuff like that. So yeah, you get that kind of effect. I actually had the the last year we had Summit. I was in a session uh, in one of the original buildings that was eventually torn down for the build of the new campus they're working on now. So those old X looking buildings that they built. I saw Lake Bill. Lake Bill is a is a looks like a little pond in between all the buildings, and they call it Lake Bill. Uh, named after Bill Gates. So yeah, it's cool to go. You know, it's I, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, live and die Dallas Cowboys. Fans. I was gonna say sorry, <laughs> sorry for you. Sorry to hear the that. Stadium of your favorite team, or going to that first in live real person game. It's just you know, it's that type of thing when you're a Microsoft person. Yeah, I'm looking forward to like hopefully someday getting a chance to just go. I mean, I would love to be invited, but if I can just go to to see it myself. Uh, to see you know, Redmond. Yeah. Campus. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And again, I know we're obviously super Windows focused, and this is part of the reason and Microsoft centric. But uh, we just want to take a step back and let people kind of get a feel for who you are, uh, mm -hmm. because I know I, when I follow you on Twitter, um, you and I we live in the same state, so a lot oh, of. Oh, you're like, here in uh, Florida? Yeah, I'm down in. Uh, I'm just like five, ten minutes out of outside of Fort Lauderdale. I'm in the oh, okay. uh, Deerfield area. Gotcha. So when I see you like post stuff about space or about the weather, oh, yeah. about 
hurricane stuff like that, like we're basically on the same page. So uh, yeah. if you just want for a second to let us know about, you know, some, some of your history that isn't Microsoft related, you know, just things that, you know, you mentioned uh, briefly about being in the Navy, uh, you know, just, you know, I guess your history and how you got to being a Microsoft enthusiast. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I, I'm native born Florida. I was born down in the uh, south, uh, just southwest of Orlando. Okay. And, um, and but then I moved away and didn't come back until about 16 years ago. The Navy brought me back. Um, but, yeah, I did 30 years in the Navy. Uh, the vast majority of it stationed overseas in Europe. Uh, that's where I met my wife. It's where my daughter was born. Um, and um, so I, I mentioned that, you know, I built my first website based on 90, Windows 95. In fact, it was called another Windows 95 links and resources page. Because everybody was writing Windows 95 stuff. I was actually yeah. had been back in um, in the States and was able to go to a box computer store and stand in line at midnight to get by my copy of 95. I'm sure wow. I just happened to get a screenshot of you somewhere like that, yeah. I just happened to be in the States the weekend it came out, and so I was able to go do that. And that was a cool kind of effect, kind of experience having lived in Europe. Um but I actually started on Commodore 64. Commodore 64 was the first piece of computer I ever had in my home. I mean, my wife and I had been married a couple of years before we bought our first TV. And we bought that first TV, a little color monitor size TV, because I bought got the Commodore 64, right? <laughs> so you get the magazines and you type the code in by hand to have a game or to have something to, to do on the computer. Mm-hmm. We had a big Naples Commodore users group. Uh, in Naples, we had massive boxes of discs full of software, and we would spend one Saturday a month all together in a lunchroom in the elementary school, and we would just copy discs left, right, and center, and then we'd go <laughs> home and try them for a month, and whatever worked, we kept, and whatever didn't work, we'd copy new stuff the next month. Awesome. So starting in Commodore 64, I was one of the last guys in the Naples area to have my Commodore. The fact that when the club disbanded, they gave me all those original discs, and all the, I, got, I ended up with extra modems and drives and all kinds of stuff. So... Commodore 64 was the start of my computing, uh, and then I built my first IBM compatible not long after that through a course actually out of Scranton, Pennsylvania, um, that they shipped me a PC, and I built it. They sent me a Sound Blaster 16 card. I put that in one week, and slowly, but so as an IBM compatible, what, probably a 286 with four megabytes of RAM, not, not gigabyte. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It had a 10 megabyte hard drive in it. I was just crazy, right? That, those yeah. things were just unreal back in the 90s. Um, but over time, when I was in the Navy, I mentioned we did a lot of stuff command line interface to connect to military sites to get data. Um, but but not long after your Y2K, uh, we moved to a lot of computer based communications. And so we shifted from the old mechanical teletypes that went clackety clack, clackety clack to print out our message traffic to getting them on computers and distributing them via computers, via secure networks and within your building. And so that was all Windows based all windows based and so as an i was at the time i was a radio man while we called a radio man we eventually got named it information systems technician but i was always on the comm side so i wasn't on the it side but i was a geek so i was already poking around computers anyway and that's kind of where my career went uh up until about my 22nd year in the navy uh when i was selected for uh the command master chief program which is a leadership program management program and i finished my last eight years doing that and retired at 30. Um, and so it, you know, they were always around. I, I was always on the computers doing something or learning something or figuring something out or something like that. So it, you know, it's kind of ingrained 
and, and I've just always been that Windows guy. I'm sure if it was a Mac that I first got poked on, <laughs> I would be a Mac guy. I mean, I think that kind of how it goes for most people. Kareem yeah. hates Macs. <laughs> I want to try one. I, I honestly, you want they make it so hard though, right? Microsoft will let you run a virtual machine and run a, another type of Windows. Apple doesn't do that. Apple doesn't give you the ability. I mean, a lot of I've read about Hackintosh and I've tried to do it myself and it failed miserably because I'd like to try it, right? Just to get the experience, to understand the OS and that kind of thing. So just from that perspective, uh, this new M1 chip that they've built in this new M1 based MacBook Pro is doing some pretty amazing things. So, yeah. you know, they, they're doing something right. People are paying premium for it. So. Yeah, it's not that I hate them and I don't, I don't <laughs> want to come off as like super biased. It's just uh, I, I believe that they should follow in the same scrutiny as every other company like Samsung yep. gets it. Microsoft gets it, HP gets it, you know, and it just seems like for the most part, a lot of things that are screwed get it. So when I get a chance to and I can dig and I can find actual evidence, I, I like to do it. And, you know, just kind of as a fan who's an user of Microsoft, it seems like, you know, you're jaded because you're looking for something versus like, you know, being more in your face is like, you know, right. uh, like they're bringing death from Microsoft. Like, that was obvious, but if you have to go look at the, the specific test for the M1, it's like, yeah, you know, it it you know is off the charts for these things, but there are these other things that we should probably be yeah, noted. There's about. challenges, no yeah. doubt. Kenny says yeah. Windows 10's got its limitations too. Oh yeah, big yeah. time. And I mean, on that note, um, we're going to bring it back to Microsoft, and we'll come back to because I want to. I really want to talk about uh, your enthusiasm for. Uh, it seems like uh, uh, aerospace. And, yeah. and I, want, I want you to give you a chance to talk about um, any faith-based things that you want to talk about because it's you know those are really big and I don't I don't and I feel like it you know makes you a whole person. We should also talk about those as well. But okay. on the Microsoft side, um, you know now that you've you know tinkered with and have been you know in the world of Microsoft for so long, uh, I just want to get your thoughts on their transition. You know uh, from you know you said you stood in line to get a copy of Windows to now. Uh, you know, Windows being kind of sidelined for the cloud. What are your thoughts on on that, and how do you think they're doing? Well, here's my argument. About aside from, aside from the, the money they're making. Right. Well, <laughs> here's my argument when somebody says that Microsoft has sidelined Windows for the cloud. How do you access the cloud? You need to go through Windows. You right? got it. Now, granted, I can get to the cloud on Linux. I've done it on a Chromebook, and I've done it on a Linux on one of my PCs. Um, you can get to the, the cloud via Mac. Right. You can get to a cloud with any system. And, and while Windows is different today than it was back in the, the 95, 98, you know, that time frame, 2000. And then we, you know, all of that as we move forward. Um, granted, Microsoft has shifted. It, it, consumer is not paying the bills. Cloud is IT, enterprise IT. And and they've they embraced that. Satya Nadella embraced that. Uh, you know, he did a lot of things early on that frustrated enthusiasts and consumer enthusiasts like Windows Phone and the other <laughs> things that happened. But yeah. yet they're still building Xboxes. Xbox, what, a $2 billion business last yeah. quarter? Um, and so it, it takes a vision to see that, right? To Because it, it, Satya Nadella does not play the short game. That, that guy he plays that long game he knows and i think it's one of the reasons why he was such a good choice for ceo because bill gates built microsoft to be a consumer company uh 
then Steve Ballmer takes over. It continues to be a consumer company, but the shift more, you know, you start to, even towards the end of Bill Gates' career, you you had the enterprise type capabilities that were going out, uh, exchange, all of that stuff. And so now they've evolved into this, this, they really are, they, they are an enterprise hulk when it comes to it. I know they're not the top cloud provider. Amazon holds that spot, right? AWS, um, we know that when AWS goes down because all our favorite websites go down. <laughs> but, but Microsoft's cloud, the way they have integrated their products into that cloud, do you, you remember the when Bill Gates wrote the security memo, right, and t- said we got to start to incorporate oh, yeah. security in every step of our process? Well, that's what's happened with cloud. That's what's happened even on both sides, I would say. I would say consumer, where consumer used to feed IT, enterprise IT, what you it would stuff would typically get experimented with in consumer, and then IT, enterprise IT would go, oh, that's cool. Let's pull that in-house, and then it would become part of enterprise. I think now we've kind of turned that table and where where consumer used to feed enterprise all the time. I think enterprise has become its own ecosystem of things, but yet we still got to have Windows to get to the cloud to do the things that we have to do. And Microsoft has turned Windows 10 into one of the most secure. It is the most secure version of Windows, I think, probably since NT because of the way NT was built at the time. Right. It was brand new. The, the security for the file system and all those kind of things. But think about it, and, and I've seen the numbers over the years. Uh, the the exposure security-wise of Windows 10, it's been this kind of an angle, right? It's it's been a downward slope because it used to be we always saw about breaches on on systems and stuff like that prior to Windows 10. And I know it's for for enthusiasts like ourselves, for the people who come and read at on Microsoft or any one of the other enthusiast websites. You know, they want to see the latest, greatest. They want to see the whiz bang. They want to see the cool new UI feature and this, that, and everything else. Um, but the reality is stable is good. And inter- and Microsoft's going to continue to focus on stability because stability is good for the enterprise. Uh, and the, so the it all fits, right? Now, this year's an exception because 21H1 is going to be a small cumulative update for Windows 10 this spring. And we're, we're, we suspect we're going to see the big UI refresh in the fall, right? Sun Valley. So over the years, you know, the enthusiast in all of us want to see the cool new whiz bang stuff. Enterprise wants steady. They don't want to have to spend time training people every six months on a new feature update. And I think that's been the biggest thing about Windows 10 that, as I've written about enterprise IT, that companies have embraced is they no longer have to retrain every two to three years staff and people on how where this is in Windows now. For the most part, Windows 10 has remained extremely consistent since it was released in 2015. So I think it's great. We're going to get a big get a, get a big UI refresh this fall. If it's going to come in the fall, it might be, you know, could push, but that's the expectation. So, so th- there's something to be said for that kind of whiz-bang, cool UI stuff. It's why people fawn over Mac. Mac does UI very well and they do UI very consistently. Microsoft does not do UI very consistently. <laughs> you know, it's functional. Uh, there's multiple ways to get into the UI to do one thing. You know, that's kind of been Windows trademark for years. Uh, I don't know if it's the same way on Mac or not. I've kind of poked around enough to know. But 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 again, that's Apple's reputation, right? Although they've been suffered a little bit lately um with some of the issues they've had some challenges shipping updates and things like that so i no, i think it's i i think the the beauty of microsoft's 
the way they've moved forward is they have in, they've kind of adopted the cloud integration like they did security 20 odd years ago. And I think it makes a difference. So, and guess what? The consumer is benefiting from those enterprise upgrades and those enterprise improvements because we're getting more reliability on those services because they're riding the same backbone, the same cloud. And, and like I said, I get the enthusiast piece, but when we see a build every week, you don't get, remember every three years you used to get a new Windows and it was always this great big remake. Mm -hmm. We don't get that now because we see it every week. We see a new build every week. And so our expectations, I think, as us as on the other end, as enthusiasts and testers and insiders, we have to kind of uh, uh, temper that that reaction because the reality is you just don't we're seeing it at the pace, a much slower pace because that's the way they're testing it. But again, a big build, some Valley is going to generate a lot of excitement. It really is. I mean, 10X, for instance, is generating that same excitement. I wish they'd give us 10X. I've been trying to figure out a way to have it on a, I'd love to put that on my Surface Go, yeah. right? I would love to have that on my Surface Go, but the the instructions somebody published for that, until somebody makes me an ISO, I'm not even going to try that. But <laughs> but I think Windows 10X is exciting, the simplicity, right? Uh, we need a good touch interface. We haven't had a good touch interface. Windows 8 was good for one thing, touch Thank interface. You. Exactly. And a charms yeah. bar. I love that charms uh, the charm bar. bar. Right. And, and, and that was the innovative piece of what Microsoft did with Windows 8. Everybody else knocked the, the start screen and yep. knocked a lot of other aspects of it. But again, don't get it, for the most part, everything that Microsoft does at some point always ends up coming back somehow. And so I'd like to see them do better with the touch. And I think that's 10X. I think 10X gives that. Maybe Sun Valley. I, I've been asking them to bring back that touch interface for like they had in Windows 8. That was just something else. I mean, that was built for the Surface RT, right? And that whole process. And it was really built oh, yeah. for that touch capability. And now with where we're at with inking and those kind of things, I think there's just so much potential for that, th those types of things. And again, guys, I was working at Best Buy. Uh, let's see, I went to work for Penton in 2015. I was working for Best Buy, I think in 2014, 2013, 2014. I was a Microsoft consultant for a local store. And none of our computers on the show floor laptops had touchscreens wow. and then we slowly started to see the trickle of touchscreens come in around the time windows 8 came out or no was it windows 8 or no it yeah. must have been the update to windows 8 so we started so now you can't walk into a computer store somewhere and not find most everything touchscreen so we've evolved in the technology as well the hardware so i think microsoft kind of because of the lack of the touch uh rt was built for touch surface is always built for touch you know, so they had their own kind of in-house thing. But I, I think we're now at this kind of this point in time where there's a lot of opportunity for touch, the refreshed UI. Windows 10 will be six years old this summer. Uh, and so a, a big UI refresh in the fall might not be a bad deal. And oh, by the way, that build will get 30 months of support because of the way they set up support now for enterprises. So 18 yeah. or for everybody, 18 months and 30 months. So it flip-flopping the updates this year kind of pulls a sneaky little move in that the big UI feature build update will be a 30-month supported OS. That might encourage more enterprises to shift over to that at some point in the year after that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I mean, I I am uh, I am begrudgingly going along with the, the transition. Like, like you mentioned, I was an enthusiast. And I remember uh, as soon as, I'm sure you could go 
go back and read my like articles, I was always taking a jab into Dell, like calling him like the Grim Reaper of of software because he was just closing <laughs> all of my favorite consumer stuff. You know, after yep. you know Groove and Windows Phone, I was like, why is this guy? You know, uh, but I've come to really appreciate the setup. I also like to at any chance to get give Balmer some credit on his way out for oh, yeah. you know him and Bill Gates giving the thumbs up for Azure. I mean, this is these are projects and things that we're now benefiting from that have taken you know years of development this isn't like you know Nadella came in and just you know said go to this this is you know three years prior to him and now it's mature enough and he can I, say I think yes. one of the I think one of the the kind of most biggest disservice that was done to Balmer was that Nadella walked in and announced iPad office for iPad and that was Balmer that was yeah. Paul Balmer that brought that along um granted then then Nadella turned around and and tank the uh nokia deal but <laughs> but no but that should but you know so yeah. balmer was the one that said let's build office for ipad and so yeah, yeah he so has I, enough credit for what he did accomplish i mean he was an over enthusiastic type and that was his personality watch him on the sidelines at a clippers game you know he's yeah. the same way and that is natural who is steve balmer but he did he did a lot of good for the company i mean and every ceo has their flubs right yeah I mean, like I said, I was super enthusiastic uh, about the consumer stuff. I am interested in, and I'm learning about the you know more enterprise cloud stuff because it's you know it's becoming what I like to you know everyone's dubbing is the cloud wars. This is just something yeah. the industry is going to be writing about and for a long time. And you, like you said, things are just trickling out um, from that for the consumer base. You know, yeah, more we stuff that goes in the cloud because stuff. Those exactly, and we are. Yeah. Automation, machine learning, all of those things kind of get worked back into either devices or sensors or things like that that we're all just using. So yep. that's been my view is to take a step back and say, like, you know, as much as I like the Surface devices, I love Xbox, I love Windows, uh, the cloud stuff and, and the way the contracts that they're, they're signing and uh, the software that they're building based on that and, and the software they're helping to build. And, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, helping out in the NBA with streaming, just you know, streaming and latency technology, that kind of stuff. I'm like, that's got to be interesting. That's got to be stuff that we talk about and kind of bring it up to the same level as a new version of Windows. Yep. And with that being said, I know you kind of hit, hinted at Windows uh, 10 or Windows 10 21 uh, H1 and, you know, your thoughts on like Windows 10X uh, briefly. Um, if you, you know, just kind of want to talk about um, where you see Windows 10X fitting in the slot of, operating systems that Microsoft offers because we still have Windows 10S mode and I am a big advocate of when I have Surface Go 2 that I love. Um, and I can see, you know, I in my own vision with a few tweaks to Windows, I feel like they could have matched Chrome already without yeah. having to introduce Windows Windows 10X. So uh, if you want to talk about that or if not, it's up to uh, you. Well, I just... here's the thing about, um... You know, when they did Windows 10S mode, that was announced at the education event in New York City. Uh, and I was up there for that launch. And it, it was, there's an element of it that kind of reminded me of the Surface RT thing, right? I honestly exactly, believe yeah. had they launched normal everyday Windows 8 for x86, I think Windows 8 might have been received a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. When they launched RT where you couldn't run downloaded software you had to run everything out of the store the store did not have the capabilities it has under windows 10s right where mm -hmm. i can put an x86 program in there and put the right stuff right. In and use it and so 
it was another it was another window where they kind of it was a surface rt repeat almost in that rt was a great little computer and but you couldn't run your everyday software you couldn't put chrome on it you couldn't put you know any other program that you could download from the internet it had to be in the store and the store was extremely fledgling at that time right oh, Way yeah. fledgling. Yeah. Uh, and it's gotten so much better these days but and then you go to windows 10s right and it has it's still windows based windows x86 based windows or 64 bit or whatever but i can only install software from the store so you and at the and so this was when was that announced? Was that 2018, 2018? Twenty eighteen yeah. I believe. Twenty eighteen may have, I think it was uh, twenty eighteen. So they announced this Windows ten S mode, and probably the smartest move they made with that was that they gave you the well initially they weren't gonna let you out of it without some money. And then they ultimately <laughs> decided to get rid of that. And anybody can unlock Windows 10 S mode. So if you bought a piece of gear that was Windows 10 S mode, you could get out of S mode without any issue. I think schools that might have adopted it probably kept it uh, potentially. Um, but I think uh, what what was the the Neo, right? We didn't get the Neo. The Neo mm -hmm. didn't launch. That was the larger tablet or dual tablet, right? Dual screen tablet. 10x is currently running on um, the Android, right? The Android uh, Surface Duo. <clears throat> so it, it, sometimes Microsoft doesn't communicate well, right? And that I, so I think the messaging around Windows 10s, just like it was bad around Surface RT, um, you know, I I think Windows 10s should have been introduced as a mode, but not a default mode. So if you're in an environment where uh, you need to be on Windows 10 S. You had the ability to toggle that switch to an admin account or some other validation, right? Because now we can identify ourselves on any machine under our account and not have to be on that machine. So, you know, I think they could have done better in that sense. Uh, and again, it was a similar messaging, right? The challenge around everything wasn't available in, in the store. Today, two of my favorite programs, right? Paint.net, a fantastic free uh, graphics program at no the guy used to work for Microsoft in fact that built it so paint.net right but it's downloaded off the internet and then if view uh, or earth view I guess it's called but that is also a graphics manipulation program but it's a little more lower end I use it for mass conversion of images so mm -hmm. if I want to convert a whole folder full of images to a specific size and resolution it does it that stuff great and both of those you have to download off the internet so now they're in the store. They weren't in the store three years ago. So right. now, so, so you see what I'm saying? More and more of what we need to access is available in the store. That's your validation that it's a safe program. And now you can install it even on Windows 10 S. So, you know, I, it's got to be challenging, right? Because you, you know you're working on some really cool stuff. I've been to the MVP Summit and I have stuff, stuff we use today. I heard about two or three years ago mm -hmm. and you know, it's a great opportunity to kind of hear the road, the roadmap. But now that everything's so public, it's real challenging to kind of message. Look at look at Microsoft 365, for instance. They're announcing new features all the time for that. And oh, by the way, we'll roll that out later this year. You know, so it's a big <laughs> announcement, but it's coming later this year. Soon, um, soon, yeah. uh, soon, soon is their favorite Trademark. word to use. Um, and, <laughs> and so that's the challenge in this day and age, right? They're working on it. They probably are making the announcement because they're probably on the edge of it potentially getting out there and they want to control the message. But it, it's just 
I, I think if you better enable people to understand what the mode does, what it's intended for, then that would be when we were up there for that event in in New York for the education event. Um, we we walked away from the presentations, walked out and looked at all the hardware and the stuff like that. And Windows 10 S mode was still a bit of an enigma, uh, you know, exactly how it was supposed to work and not work and what you could and couldn't do. So I, you know, I the challenge I know why they did it right. It's intended for systems that you just don't want people making changes to. Um, it locks it down so that malware doesn't become an issue. I, I will tell you this little anecdotal story. I take care um, for many years. I took care of the desktop computer for my my pastor, my priest from my parish, and uh, he loves his. He's he's from Ireland originally. He loves his football, right? He loves his soccer, and uh, but he would download toolbars into Internet Explorer. <laughs> Oh to, no! To track his football. <laughs> I, so he would call me up and say, "Rich, my computer's running really slow. Can you come take a look?" And I come and find <laughs> two bars installed. So when when Windows 10 came out, and I had the ability to lock him into Edge and not Internet Explorer, that stopped because they built into Edge those features to keep right. those kind of things from happening. And so you know, and now today Windows 10, I mean. I update Windows 10 on like you guys probably do, right? I'm I'm updating the minute it comes out. I don't delay it putting in installing updates or new versions or anything. Um, but the the testament to Windows 10's usability is uh, is that I keep it updated on my wife's computer. I don't let her. I don't say to her I just updated to a new version of Windows 10. Everything is where it's supposed to be after each update, and so the user experience is consistent. It's us geeks, it's us enthusiasts that want to see the whiz bang, right? So yeah, Microsoft yeah. has built a very stable, reliable, consistent OS. I, I'm not talking about inconsistencies with seeing the odd old dialogue or something like that. Right, right. The basic user experience re has remained consistent for the last five years. And I think that's a big deal. And again, I, I just don't see Windows 10 going anywhere because you got to have it to get to the cloud. Okay, and with that being said, do you ha have a... A favorite product, a favorite service, a favorite platform, uh, or anything that you're looking forward to for Microsoft, uh, like in the next five years or so. Well, I have to say it's Windows 10. Windows, I, Windows 10 is the core, right? I, I truly believe it's the core, whether you're enterprise or consumer, because everything and anything we do is on Windows 10. Um, it, and granted, it's not exciting these days. You know, it's kind of, you know, the, the pace of the updates is a little slower and we're not seeing all these cool whiz bang updates. Uh, I go into Reddit and I read the Windows 10 forum. I have it in my RSS feed. So I see the stuff people get into with Windows 10. And sometimes I wonder what exactly were you doing when you caused that? <laughs> Most people introduce their own issues, by the way. It's not Windows 10. Yeah. Um, and and so Windows 10, I think, is the key. That that's kind of the central core to everything and anything we do in the ecosystem. So yeah, I think it would be Windows uh, for the most part. I, I love Office 365, Microsoft 365, only because those consistent updates. Again, we're seeing those that steady pace of updates, features rolling out, and things like that. And and Microsoft is kind of you know people knock software as a service all the time. But Microsoft has figured that out for the most part. I mean, granted, what was it? It was the fall of 2018. We had the really bad update, right? The yeah. fall update that caused the OneDrive file issue, mm -hmm. which didn't get discovered or maybe had been discovered. Who knows? But beyond that, one time in five years, they had a significant 
you know, data loss issue. Yeah. And it turns out, okay, if I believe that data loss was not as big as ever, as it as it was, as it was probably some very vocal individuals that had the data loss, and that gets unfortunately in our world today, the minority voice, my you know, the the smaller voices get a lot of attention. Oh, yeah. That's just the nature of the beast these days. Um, so yeah, they had that hiccup, but you know what? I was really impressed with the way they approached it, the way they kind of addressed it. People still get frustrated about things like. I, I want Microsoft to release knowledge-based articles before the patch, right? Even you if it's 10 minutes before the patch. I know yeah. they don't want to put that stuff on the internet because they don't want the vulnerability to be known until the patch is available. But guess what? The difference between 10 minutes to 1 o'clock on a Tuesday, on Patch Tuesday, and the difference mm -hmm. to one-on-one -on -one and who's going to know, not a whole lot of di right? You're not going right. to have a ton of systems automatically patched. So yeah. I, if there was anything I would love to see Microsoft change, it's that they would publish their knowledge base articles uh, prior to or right along. You know, they, they kind of been hit and miss, especially lately. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, yeah. Let, me, let me jump in here and ask yeah, you a question yeah. about uh, your favorite <laughs> hardware. I mean, I've been covering Microsoft as a blogger for five years now, and I've went to all these press events. You've mentioned the the Surface Laptop event where they had Windows 10s that left us all surprised. So over the years, you you that mentioned was the Surface Laptop launch. Yeah, that's, that's that's where fine. they had the Surface Laptop, and I think if I'm not mistaken, also Surface Studio. If if I or that yeah, was, I think in and around that time, I definitely yeah. remember the laptop launch. Yeah. So that's where they had Windows 10s, and we always see hardware from Microsoft probably once every year so far in October. And now with the pandemic, things are changing a bit. I mean, you mentioned how uh, Windows 10X has been delayed and how the the Neo the Neo got canned and it's not happening right now. So what are your thoughts on Microsoft Surface hardware? A couple of years ago, someone wrote a piece saying how, uh, me and Kareem talked about it last week, how Surface would be a dead business and that no one would want Surface in 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 our time and days, but what are your thoughts on Microsoft's hardware and where they're taking the Surface division? Well, if you've watched Surface from the beginning, from Surface RT, one of the things, and back in those days, Panos was a very significant person in the program, but he wasn't running the program, right? Right. Um, but, but he obviously has moved into the, the position he's in now. But but the one thing they did consistently on Surface hardware was that they re, they iterated after each version, right? The next new one incorporated fixes from the old one, things they mm -hmm. heard, things they saw. And every successive in, a piece of gear has improved upon its predecessor. I'll give the example. Um, what was the launch? We Oh, when we were up in, for the launch of the Surface laptop, was it two? Yeah, three came out last fall, right? So two was the fall before. That was when they had the Microsoft, uh, the event in New York City. Uh, I, I was up there for that, but I was part of a different group. I was part of the uh, enthusiast group. I didn't go up there as press. Mm -hmm. So I actually went with a whole different group of people that were invited by the Surface team, Surface enthusiast type thing. Uh, and they've treated us well, right? They put us up in a really nice hotel. We had a couple different events at breakfast that day. Panos came in and talked to us before the event that day. Uh, they took us to a really cool, after the press briefing, which we all got kind of front row seats and the press were in the back fighting for seats on the counter. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I've been there and done that, but I wasn't part of that. Rich Woods, I gave Rich Woods from Neowin a really hard time about that. Um, and uh, so so we're back there. And of course, I'm watching social media. I can see all the complaints 
from the typical folks back there that are complaining about where we're at. Um, I was sitting right next to Frank Shaw. Panos came oh, right down awesome. in front of me with that computer and pulled it out. You know, it was a cool event. And and we were enthusiastic about it. It was fun. Um, and so every time they have built a new piece of hardware, it was that year they, they launched the one that had the removable hard drive. Again, a complaint about previous surfaces and especially enterprises. Enterprises want to be able to get that disc out of there and sanitize it and take care of it or whatever. Um, and so they've always improved upon the devices, I think, all in all, each successive model. So as we're sitting on what, Surface Book 3, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the internals are really great upgrade, the visual aspect of it. I mean, I've had all three Surface Books, one, two, and three. Uh, my Surface Book 1 right now, my wife uses this for primary laptop. Now that device is five plus years, five years old, give or Close take. Two, yeah. Um, my Surface Book 2, I use at my church for the, our live stream. We live stream our services uh, six days a week, and I live stream on Surface Book 2 because that thing had a quad-core i7 and 16 gig of RAM, yeah. and it's just a phenomenal device. Um, and then I, my Surface Book 3 is the one I work on, and that's my move-around uh, computer. And and it's, you know, and I this past pandemic summer, I built a new PC for myself. But I have Surface Laptop sitting right here to my right, left. I've got Surface Go. So I've had the opportunity to poke around all. And every time consistently, they have just improved upon the previous uh, iteration. And I think that's that's not easy to do because when right. you're planning stuff out long term and you have to deal with the, the chips and all of those elements that go into it, I mean, it's not just an overnight thing you flip a switch on. You've got to be looking forward all the time to be able to incorporate. And people have given Microsoft a hard time, for instance, about not putting USB-C and stuff soon. Right. Thunderbolt but 3, I think it is. They, they I know other companies did, and they got a lot of press for it. But, you know, when you're building stuff, it's not as easy to just flip a switch and suddenly move to that because it changes internally. It changes the case. So all of your tools and dies that you're using to press out the parts have to be updated. Well, so, I even I even wrote about the the switch to USB C because Lenovo uh, I was reviewing Lenovo stuff and they had a whole range of I want to say it was last year that their USB C Thunderbolt threes like died like oh, they were really? just fall yeah so early uh, technology probably it early was, versions yeah. of that stuff they I have, have a whole, Lenovo that I yeah. use for Dev Channel that is USB C charging and everything a great device works really well um, but again. It, you know, until our peripherals catch up, and again, enthusiasts are the ones that are screaming the loudest about no USB-C. Um, yeah. That's who it is. And, and unfortunately, we're an echo chamber. Uh, you know, when it comes to the way we cover stuff and talking uh, from a consumer perspective, you know, we, we're an echo chamber with this stuff. And so it, that's what gets loud. And yeah. so that's just the nature of the beast these days. Totally agree. And I got one other question for you. I yep. mean, I, I could talk to you all night, but, uh, <laughs> and this this one is, like I said, we've come back around to uh, letting you kind of talk about um, your faith and and how it's kind of played a role in like your evolution uh, as, as, as a person, as a writer, as an enthusiast. If you want to talk about yeah, that. Now, um, and what you're talking about there is when I retired the Observe Tech podcast, so right. um, I, I'm Catholic. My faith is Catholic. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm actually a convert to Catholicism. I converted when I was 27 years old uh, when I was stationed overseas. And for for many years, I have I have I've been aware of a call to, to service in the church mm -hmm. um, and 
circumstances have been such that, you know, it's, uh, I've traveled that path and, and opportunities and things like that. But uh, recently, um, gosh, it's been a year and a half now. We started the fall of 2019 um, in our final three years of formation. So here in, in the Catholic Archdiocese of St. Augustine, we have a three-year program called Ministry Formation Program. So that's for a lay person, just a member of the church, to go learn three years worth of study of, the, of the, the Bible, church law, church traditions, church rights, and things like that. It includes a third-year practical project, a practicum where we do a project related for the church, for our own church, our own parish. And I did that, I, I, I finished that after I retired from the Navy in 2011. So around 2013, 2014, I finished that three-year program. Uh, here in the Archdiocese of St. Augustine, we are now, um, we are the fourth or fifth class of permanent deacons going through formation for ordination. So so what the diaconate is, um, so in the Catholic Church, you have priests, right? You have bishops and you have the Pope and you have cardinals, and you have bishops, and then you have priests. That, those are the parish priests that kind of take care of the, the local uh, church. And then deacons uh, serve in a role of permanent deacons. So many young men who are going through the seminary on their way to the priesthood get ordained as deacons about a year before their ordination as a priest and it's considered a transitional diaconate so they're ordained they're clergy and but they're still progressing towards being ordained as a priest a year or so later the permanent diaconate came back um, during a, a church council called vatican ii in the 60s started training new deacons in the late 80s early 90s and so the permanent diaconate is for married men. Married men are eligible to be ordained as permanent deacons. Uh, deacons in the Catholic Church can do weddings, can do baptisms, can do funerals, and can do uh, parts and elements of the rites of Christian initiation, which is the process for somebody who's either Christian or not Christian, not baptized, joining the church, joining the Catholic Church. So um, we've now been in formation a little more than a year and a half uh, in this final three years to, for a total of six. And uh, we, you know, I take classes online like everybody does these days. Uh, <laughs> it's called the Pontif the Josephinum Pontifical College up in Ohio. Uh, and that's where we're doing our big deal theology, philosophy. Uh, we're studying the Pentateuch right now, which is the first five chapters of the Bible. And we have other classes we'll do through the course of next year. Uh, and then locally we do classes. So we've had classes locally on church fathers and, and real building our educational base. Now we're into practical stuff at the towards at the second half of our second year. We're learning the liturgies, uh, which we're familiar with, but we don't know the role of the clergy in the liturgies. So we're learning about the liturgies. We're learning about the rites that we can uh, celebrate, such as baptism and funerals and weddings and stuff like that. And then um, we, you know, most Christian churches call it preaching, but we are learning how to write homilies, which is what we homilies are more not so much preaching at someone than having a discussion, having a conversation about what the gospel said that day. So that is something deacons can do as well. And so we're in classes right now doing that very thing. We're doing them for our fellow cohort where there's seven of us in my class and our teachers. But so it's for me, this like. I don't, I, it's kind of hard to describe, right? I, I am who I am, right? If you've met me in person, I'm the person I am on Twitter, right? Mm -hmm. That's my picture. That's, you know, that, that kind of thing. And so I, I don't, I don't assume to be anything that I'm not. I, I just, I've never been that way. Uh, have I changed a couple of my habits since I started formation? Yes, I have, you know, on social media, but 
that's more so I've left the politics aspect of stuff behind as, as opposed to anything else, because unfortunately with politics, you're going to irritate half, half, half the people and, and <laughs> fan of the other half. Very much um, so. So, so I've adopted that. And, uh, and in, as part of this process, when I was retiring my old podcast prior to starting formation, I wasn't sure I was going to start a new project. And as you mentioned, I live on the I live north of Cape Canaveral, about 120 miles north of Cape Canaveral. I can walk out in my front yard when a rocket launches and I can watch it go up. Right. Oh, and, I remember watching the shuttles launch. Just for anybody interested, follow his Twitter because he gets amazing shots like this. I mean, of sunsets and of, oh, yeah. um, space launches. He's uh, I share beautiful some guys down around Cape Canaveral doing some fantastic photography stuff with uh, the launches. Um, and so I love to share that stuff. So that's where faith, tech and space came from. So talk about faith, talk about tech and talk about space. Uh, unfortunately, that that uh, that show is suffering right now. I've only reached episode 17. Uh, it's taken a back burner because my studies uh, are consuming my time right now, as they should. Um, but but no, it's a blessing because who I am is who I am, right? And and this is another aspect of who I am. It, it may not have been an aspect I was as vocal about in the past on my feed, but but I certainly don't hesitate to share elements of my faith as I go through formation and I'm learning all this stuff. So it, I think there's, there's a place for it, right? Part of the reason the permanent diaconate is unique in the Catholic Church is that the vast majority of permanent deacons also work in the world, right? They work, they write for IT Pro Today or like I do, or or they work in an insurance company or a medical company or something, and then they also serve the church as a deacon. And and so th that's intended, right? The first deacons in the, in the church were commissioned by the apostles to serve. And so there's a big element of service related to the diaconate, as well as all the liturgical and other duties. And so you understand the world, whereas, unfortunately, you know, many priests who entered seminary as a young man never lived in the world. They kind of lived in seminary and they were ordained. Uh, they don't understand marriage fully as the same way a married man would. And so the deacon brings a lot of those kind of things to the clergy, to the, the ordained and to their ministry to be able to, to provide that service, to be able to serve people and, and support and help them. And and it, it really is a blessing. And I, I I'm blown away that I'm involved in this, that I'm doing this. And many times there are days that I go, wow, is this really happening kind of thing? Uh, I don't ever assume to get ahead of myself. Right. But I, I am aware we have a date next year that is our, our ordination date or the planned day of ordination. I would never assume that I will be ordained that day. You know, there's many things that have to happen in between here. And plus, again, in my faith, my God has to say, OK, Rich, I'm going to ordain you. So that will happen. But at that time when that occurs. But no, it's I think there's a world for it. Right. Because um, we see enough kind of vitriol and just ugh, stuff online, especially social media. And and uh, it, it's a it's a pleasure to be able to share pictures of my cats and rockets and what I'm learning in my faith formation, uh, as opposed to the latest rant about X, Y, Z. Right. Tigger, 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 Tigger is my dude. Yeah. Tigger is adorable. Out today, right? I shared a picture of him face planted, sleeping <laughs> on his yeah. face. <laughs> yeah. There is an entire Reddit on cats that sleep that way. Reddit because it's hilarious. It is awesome. Their faces planted. There's, there's the internet for you right there. The good parts, at least. I mean, I want to say, you know, as you're talking about service, I want to thank you for servicing us with your, your presence. Uh, it's been a 
you know, a longtime goal of mine to talk to you again. Uh, you know, I really appreciate uh, you, you taking that time and, and giving us, you know, sharing a little bit of your history and some anecdote stories. And, you know, it's, it, I look forward to doing this again, but I want oh, to say yeah, thank absolutely. you now. Um, and if you want, want it be nice to... when we finally get back to in-person events. Thank you. Yes. I, I mean, it, look, I see people every day, six days a week. I'm going to my church to live stream the mass. So I'm interacting with people and I see people. And uh, but I, I do miss that kind of there is a camaraderie among the people who cover Microsoft and do this kind of stuff, which is why the press rooms are so much fun. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. you guys aren't aware of this, obviously, but but me and Rich Woods from Neowin connected many years, you know, when I first started doing this, I think it was San Francisco at Build or something at the Moscone. And and we have developed a, a terrific relationship. I mean, when I flew into New York for the, uh, the, the Surface event, right, two years ago, year and a half ago, I, I actually went out to Long Island and hooked up with him and we went for what he claimed to be the best hamburger in the world. Uh, <laughs> I, I have other, other judgment on that. But, you know, but again, that's the camaraderie that comes from all of that, right? It, it's why I think we're able to sit here and very easily just start chatting and yep. talking about most anything because we're familiar with each other. We've had the opportunity to meet in a couple circumstances. And, and that's that community, right? I'll never forget the first time I showed up at an event as quote unquote press for SuperSite for Windows. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting at the desk and call from Paul Thorat, the yeah. guy I replaced. And that first event, I'll never forget. It was a little kind of, I, I think... You know, it was just a little little rough around the edges. Uh, but I think I got eventually talking to Paul and, and just spending more time with him. I'll never forget the next event we were at at the same time. He wadded up a piece of paper and threw it at me across the table and said, what are you up to? <laughs> so, you know, it, again, I love that camaraderie of that community. And I know it's a job, right? But there's nothing wrong with having camaraderie and stuff like this. So I'm really looking forward to events. I know we have Ignite in a couple weeks. Our MVP summit is going to be virtual again this year. Uh, I fully expect Ignite in the fall to be virtual. Build's going to be virtual. I don't see any Microsoft going to any in-person events this year. No, I think either. next year things might change a little bit. They might more be a little more hybrid. Um, but I'm looking forward to being able to walk around the building and run into people and see people and stuff like that. Yeah, we'll, see, we'll see each other in New York City in two years for Surface Book 5. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe when they finally yeah, do you the know, they might launch Surface Book for this fall. Just go ahead and launch it virtually. Why yeah. not? Why it's, exactly? Especially if they're going to be doing limited supply anyway, which I think a lot of their devices are going to be for at least until the, the fall of 2022. Yeah. But with again, yeah. with that being said, if you want to let people know uh, where they can follow you, uh, you know, where you would like to have eyeballs. Uh, well, the, the, the one place that you're going to see most anything and everything that comes out from me is at Twitter, at WinOBS. Okay. Yep. Most of the platforms, I'm WinOBS. Uh, that dates, that is a short for Windows Observer, which is Correct. the website, windowsobserver.com. Um, and yeah, Twitter is probably the one avenue, the one channel that I put most anything and everything out that I'm connected to, uh, as well as all the other drivel that happens in day-to-day -day life, which like you said, it's the whole person, right? I think that's another factor that people have to realize. People are whole, I, I watched the, Scott Hanselman, right? I know you guys know who Scott Hanselman yeah. is. I watched the, the stuff that people throw back at him because he's yeah. a human being and not just talking about tech all the time and it's frustrating. Uh, I, I'm lucky enough to have not received any of that at this point, you know, and I know I've changed my tone and my kind of a lot of what I talk about in the last year and a half, two years, but, uh, you know, it's a shame that people don't realize that, that people are whole people 
and that there are aspects of our life that cover anything and everything. And I think if there's one takeaway, right, love tech, love the ability to do the stuff we do each day, but also understand that that at the other end of that screen, of that thing you're typing, there's a person sitting there. You may exactly. not see them. You may not have ever heard their voice, but that's a real life human being sitting over there and, and treat and act accordingly. Right. Yeah. Agree. Couldn't have said it any better. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Richard. It's a pleasure to spend some time chatting about a little bit of everything. Uh, Hey, we want to thank, uh, once again, want to thank Richard for his time and uh, all of his knowledge that he just shared with us. And we're going to be, you know, talking to him and and, uh, speaking with him soon again about other things. Uh, In the meantime, let's jump back into our news, which kind of happens to be uh, more talk of Windows 10. (laughs) Uh, 21 H1, uh, which, you know, everyone's kind of getting excited for. We're starting to see the news bubble up about it. Um, in terms of features and this kind of scope of set of features, we're, we're hearing more about improving security, which, again, we talked at length about how Microsoft's made its transition to security. So they're doing further in this remote access uh, and quality. It seems to be the mainstays of this update. Uh, we don't know how that translates into Consumer-facing things, but uh, the features uh, that they're releasing in the updates are focused on the core experiences that customers have told uh, have told Microsoft that they, you know, rely on the most. Uh, new features uh, could, you know, ones that we could see could include multi-camera support for Windows Hello, uh, which will allow users of PCs with an integrated camera to use an external camera for authentication. So, for all of us who went out and grabbed webcams uh, during this <laughs> pandemic. Now we can make use of those, uh, and we also will just look better. Um, the update also brings performance improvements for Windows Defender Application Guard, uh, as well as Windows Management uh, Instrumentation, uh, Group Policy Service, and uh, up the Group Policy Service updating. Uh, and the latter will get uh, support for remote work scenarios. Again, this seems to be uh, part and parcel with the response to, I believe, uh, work from home and the slow evolution of uh, hybrid working for, for a lot of people who go in the office for maybe one or two days and work the rest at home or vice versa. Um, Windows uh, 10 version 21H1 will be available for non-insiders, uh, and this is according to Microsoft, later in the first half of this calendar year. Um, so we should start to see it uh, in the next couple months um, and hopefully uh, for us insiders, we should start seeing more bits of this uh, probably on security stuff up front, which means no design or hardware uh, features that we'll be able to see at least for the next few weeks. So yeah. that's yeah, Windows 10 like, H yeah, in a nutshell. Like like Richard Hay was uh, telling us, it's mainly a smaller update focused on the patches, and um, it's setting the stage for what we expect to be a bigger Sun Valley update later on. So don't skip it, download it, use it when it's available for you. Um, if you want to get it today, you could sign up uh, in, you could enroll your device in the Insider program into the beta channel and it should appear in Windows Update. And again, the beta channel is more stable, so it's not gonna crash your PC like a dev branch build with. So give it a try, try it out because it's setting the stage for the bigger Windows 10 update that's coming later this year in the fall. Yeah. Uh, the next thing we had for our news, uh, this is just because I suck at segues. I'm just jumping straight into it. <laughs> this is our kind of specialty is uh, our app of the week, essentially. Uh, it's a garage app, Microsoft Garage Project, um, which they introduced, I think it's just called Journal. Is that what it is? Yeah, Journal. Just Journal. 
uh, and it's a uh, ink first note taking experience uh, for you know power users or journalists uh, who are accustomed to you know doodling or drawing or uh, or accumulating all of their experiences in the one area. Um, like I said, they introduced this. What was this Thursday? I believe it is late Thursday um, of last week. Um, it kind of rolled out, uh, and it wasn't really a, a known thing. This isn't something Microsoft, as with all of their Microsoft Launch projects, this wasn't something they were promoting off the bat. But I believe they're testing it, and um, as with the Microsoft Launcher, this could eventually become um, a replacement, not re you know, or at least a, a what do you call it, a uh, an addition to OneNote and perhaps Paint. Uh, with the features that they're building into this. So uh, it's a super cool app. Uh, the new project is available in the Microsoft Store. It's designed to be a lot more personal than the existing OneNote app or even Whiteboard, which I mentioned. I mean, I just talked about Whiteboard last week and they've already started replacing <laughs> it. Thank you, Microsoft. Um, uh -huh. It is is developed by uh, Microsoft Applied Science Group, again, the Garage Group, um, and the app can do things that, you know, sort of like what you do with a physical journal uh, full of paper. You can do all kinds of, you know, uh, shadings and you can do clip art if you, if you wanted to. You can drag uh, media into it uh, and kind of save it in spot, you know, sort of like OneNote. Um, but just again, more geared towards pen and touch input uh, so far. Uh, I've tried it. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, have you tried it? Yeah, I installed it on my Surface Go, and um, I know you're a fan of the the form factor of Surface oh, Go too. It's made for how it. it's perfect to hold in your hand, and I feel like journal. I saw our former guest uh, Joe Finney tweeting about how most of his the people who use his apps are on Surface devices. So I feel like journal is an app that's meant naturally for Surface, and it fits perfectly with it because. You have the eraser, you could just cross words out, you could lasso words, move them around. You could even import a PDF and ink up on your PDF for free without downloading any app. It's really Shh, awesome. Don't let Adobe hear you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really awesome to see that Microsoft is, is doing the, is making inking fun again, or as they like to say, great again. Oh, God, here we go. Um, <laughs> Interesting note. Uh, I am I'm wrapping up my uh, my review for the X1 Fold, so I threw it on there, and the I don't know if I can even describe the satisfaction I get from right, you know, drawing and journaling in that, and then just slapping the device closed. It really brings back that nostalgic like moleskin feel that you have when you you know take some notes from work and you close it. So um, if this was something that was in the works. Because because you know some you know Microsoft engineer saw Windows 10X and was like, hey, I'm going to have a, a you know a, a flagship app coming for this. I feel like this is where that meeting point was for this device. So it may not, uh, for those of you on a Surface laptop, mean very much to you because it's just hard to to really use on that. But if you have a Surface Pro, um, if you have a Surface Go, uh, Surface Book, uh, or you know any of the Lenovo, HP, or Dells that are um, tablet it first or those 364 factors give it a shot uh, those of you who have been fortunate enough or privileged enough to try next one fold I would I mean I feel like that app is built for it the way that that device is, is made it's, it's not really a device for typing in, in a computer experience but as far as a tablet first or book form factor uh, it's amazing and the uh, and the app is you know awesome on that uh, the the latency between the device and the app 
is, is amazing so far. I mean, I don't really have any complaints, but again, I've only been using it for 36 hours. So uh, we'll see what I can get out of it. And uh, I think that does it. Uh, we had we had Richard Hay on, and he gave us a lot. He was a good source of information. He talked about the MVP program and his experience with the church and everything. And it's really awesome to have such a man of knowledge on the On podcast. But now that means, since it's our last topic, that it's time for the week ahead. And <laughs> I know you you had something that you wanted to talk about, a ThinkPad. So let's let's start with you first, yeah. and then I'll get into with... the stuff that I'm gonna review. I am somewhat become the hardware guy, so. I just got this in last night. I don't know if you guys can see it. You see the title there. We got ourselves a ThinkPad Chromebook. Uh, the first thing that you notice, or I don't know if you can really tell by the lighting, is that this is navy blue. Uh, I feel like Windows PCs need to explore more color. Um, I know that uh, Microsoft tried it with like you know their sandstone and their champagnes and all that stuff, but you know, all of you, talking to you, HP, uh, and I'm talking to you, uh, Dell. Just give some more color. This is, you know, I've, I've only been playing with the uh, laptop itself for, you know, 24 hours, but just to, just the color alone makes me really want to play with this. Uh, the operating system itself, I still got some questions about, but I'm going to give myself a uh, uh, first impressions, and I'm going to write about that next week. So just want to tease that Chromebook on a Microsoft Century podcast. So you stay tuned uh, <laughs> to find out what my feelings are about that. Well, here you slam uh, Chrome OS on how it's not up to date like how Windows is. Oh, I plan to, <laughs> but I mean, just from just from the initial startup, it's actually really cool. It's a, it's a really cool operation, so I, I get the appeal. Lenovo always makes great hardware. I know you reviewed the Duet a couple of months ago, and everyone was going yeah. crazy that that thing was out of stock at Best Buy, Target, Amazon, anywhere anywhere you could go. Uh, they they make some pretty excellent Chrome yeah. OS devices, right? Right. In addition to to their Windows and their PC hardware, so really looking forward to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I'm I'm, forward, I'm looking forward to writing about it. And but what, I mean, now you get to do the the sections you love the most. Yeah, I get to talk about um, this new tablet stand that I picked up on Amazon, <laughs> which you probably saw me tweeting about, where you could prop your surface in a clamp and it has one of those like you know how lamps have the the rotating arm where you could circle yeah. it and move it up and down so i popped it on my i popped my surface on it and i have it next to my monitor and it's pretty much turned my surface go to into an imac of sorts or probably even a surface studio i posted it on reddit and it got a pretty warm reception so i i'm gonna do a full review of it and talk about the experience with it and also um, we had a developer reach out to us to about his new tool, which you could use to download YouTube videos. It's called Not MP3. So uh, look out for that next week, where I'll talk about how you could download our podcast for later, and as an MP3 or as an MP4 on your Windows PC. Just your flavor. And then uh, we also want to talk about Microsoft's uh, software tweak to basically give everyone what they've been complaining about, which is. More FPSs. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, our editor, uh, Laurent, uh, our Xbox guy, who we had on a couple of episodes ago, he did a full hands-on video with it, and it's pretty much their software experience to 
to improve the gaming library of Xbox gamers over time. Uh, you could, we'll have the link in the chat, uh, the live chat, so you could go check it out. We're not here to summarize this whole piece, but he went hands-on with it, and it, I know it's something that he really was looking forward to because he got sick of playing games at 30 frames per second on his brand-new Xbox Series X and Series S. Yeah, it's a, it's a promise long fulfilled hopefully and then more and more xbox news uh we will be covering just as i believe everyone else will uh, about fall guys coming to xbox hopefully this summer with the you know with the fingers crossed and no delays or any slips and dates but a uh, huge game a uh, big get for for the platform and so um we expect to hear even more news you know about hopefully maybe some like custom things that come with its appearance on the platform so stay tuned and that does it for this week. That is our last topic, and the week ahead is now over, which means it's time for the traditional outro. Uh, I'll let you get to it. Yeah, uh, if you want to find us, hear from us, yell at us, uh, whatever, <laughs> you can find me uh, at Twitter at Mindhead1. Uh, again, that's Mindhead1, not Mindhead. <laughs> and I am at ABACJERN. Yeah, so again, feel free to let us know. Uh, your thoughts, your suggestions. I know a lot of you have great tips out there. Please let us know. And like I said, we scour our responses to see, you know, uh, to find people as guests too. So, uh, if, you know, you got some great information. We'd love to talk with you and maybe bring you onto the, the podcast at some point. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for watching. And we hope to see you again soon. Same place, same time. Yeah. Stay safe and wear a mask. All right. Bye bye.